Hi, welcome to Tights Camera Action, uh, the comic book movie podcast by people who have difficulty picking up hammers, about people who have difficulty picking up magical hammers. <laughs> uh, also, we've been cast out by our fathers. I'm Kyle Scherer. I'm Owen Vandenberg. And I'm Stephanie Kachias. And this week, uh, the movie is Thor. Uh, the original, oh, sorry, the 2011 uh, Marvel Studios Phase One movie. Uh, this choice was Owen's, actually. Yes, it was. Uh, I found it's. I found it interesting that we started this podcast out of almost out of enthusiasm for Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, mm. and yet we've only done one other one I think is that right oh yeah and I think that one we didn't release oh, right, <laughs> lost, yeah. lost episode our lost yeah, episode yeah. we have done Jessica episode. Jones but yeah. we haven't yeah. done an actual Marvel Studios movie we haven't done a whole lot of them so I decided that I would pick my favourite one Aww. and this yeah you're not going to be happy about this Thor is actually still my favourite Marvel movie. Yes, uh, I I love Thor. Uh, if it weren't for Iron Man one, I'd say it's the best Phase one movie, including Avengers. Uh, and Thor is pretty much my favorite Avenger. I have to say. So Steph oh, look. has different opinions, which I is fine. We want that because I, otherwise it's just going to be an hour of me and Kyle saying how good it is. Oh well, I think it's going to be that anyway. But I, <laughs> but look, uh, look, rewatching it for this. I was pleasantly reminded of the things I liked about it and certainly, um, you know, I don't think it's bad and I don't think it's one of the worst uh, cinematic universe movies, but uh, at the same time, there are plenty of things I don't love about it and I certainly wouldn't have it up there in one of my favourites for me. I, I think this is sort of an example of, for me... <laughs> A weak main character syndrome um, when 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 everyone around you is more interesting than than the main character um, I mean the guy gets the guy gets upstaged by Kat Dennings for God's sake like he, you know, he all of all pretty much all of the supporting characters are more interesting than Thor and I, I just I find Thor an inherently kind of boring character not quite as boring well so he's more boring to me than unlikable like tony stark is to me like so i actively dislike tony stark i actively dislike the iron man movies because they just rub me the wrong way this is not as strong as that this is more just meh like is if i'm gonna brand? if i'm gonna watch a good looking um guy beat up in the beat up people in the marvel cinematic universe i'm in for captain america i'm a captain america girl and i can't this even Captain America: The First Avenger to me is miles better than this movie. I think it's a great movie, and yeah, so yeah. Well, that brings up something that I find interesting about this is I do I, I agree that Thor is kind of a bland character at yeah. times. I think this movie works best when he, even though being the main character, is mostly played for comic relief. Yeah. And I think that's something that the smart that they do. So I really like Thor in the Avengers movies. Mm. I should say that, like, and that is because as a member of an ensemble and as a comic relief he is great fun and and there are fun things about the character and i mean the the the, the hammer and his whole look is fantastic but yeah as a main character of a film and as a, as a focus of a film i'm not really particularly interested on board for i have sacrificed much to achieve peace for through your arrogance and stupidity you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives the horror and devastation of war. You are a vain, greedy, 
cruel boy. And you are an old man and a fool! You're unworthy! Father, I am! And I'll take from you your power! And I cast you out! It is directed by Kenneth Branagh, mm. which was an interesting, like a surprise choice, I think, when it first happened. I remember when it was first happened, it was a big deal, mm. and he was very much like, "I'm going to make it Shakespearean," mm. and it definitely is Shakespearean. Like, it's it actually lays it on quite thick. I think so much of what I like about this is owed to Kenneth Branagh. Like the mm. the, the thing that the thing that I love about Thor, and the, the thing that has still makes it my favorite one, is that it never apologizes for what it's doing. It mm. never um, it. it it commits real hard to the concept of space Vikings, and it does never. It never winks at the camera and says, "Oh, we know this is a bit silly." He goes, "No, here are some Vikings in space. What do you do with that?" Yeah, I will say, and I mean, it's something that's been said about the film a lot. The the, the Asgard stuff is very strong, and mm. I would agree with that. Like, that's where the movie is at its best. Is it when we're in Asgard and we're living in the we're world building in Asgard and we're living in that world and we're seeing that world both visually and story wise. It's very good um, and very entertaining. But um, the film really then shifts another gear when we hit Earth. Um, See, I don't mind. Like, I in, still enjoy the fish out of water story that they but, do with it. Like, I think as far as a fish out of water story goes, it's perfectly fine. And the fact that you then get to keep cutting back to Asgard mm. keeps it interesting for me. Yeah. So uh, in the lead up to this movie being released, there was so much interest on the internet. I think, I mean, far more than Iron Man 1 because that was kind of a surprise kind of sleeper hit and probably more than Captain America as yeah, well because yeah. Thor is such an unusual kind of hero and you had that thing where Marvel had sold off so many of its iconic heroes like Spider-Man and the X-Men so people were like well it's kind of dredging the bottom of the barrel and making films about sort of Almost secondary characters. Yeah, like an Avenger, a founding Avenger, but in terms of public recognition, probably not one you would have done straight away. But also that, a difficult one to sell yeah. as a concept. One, but, one audience that it was sort of naturally uh, targeted to rather than like comic book nerds was actually following it very closely in pre-production and very incensed by a particular casting choice, which was Idris Elba as Heimdall the whitest of the Norse gods, uh, as his title is in Norse mythology. And it's interesting to, like, remember now uh, just the outrage that was kind of being whipped up by online racists who are really, really, really into Norse mythology because that's, like, their big thing. They love... It's, like, their religion. They're, like, hardcore Norse mythology fans. And then this movie comes along and it's got, like, a, a black... British guy as uh, Heimdall, uh, one of the gods. And it's just like, it's hard to kind of find stuff on it now uh, because if you search for Thor controversy, then you just find people who are outraged about Thor being a lady in the comics now because uh, Jane Foster has the hammer. And if you search for like... Spoiler for the first arc of, <laughs> of, the, of, that, of that run of Thor. Uh, she's had the hammer for a couple of years Yeah, now, but it's I a think. mystery in the first like yeah. five, five or six issues. Uh, but uh, And if you search uh, Black Heimdall uh, review or controversy, uh, then apparently the, Heim the Black Heimdall is a type of vape 
So it's like an e-cigarette now. So I was searching like Black Heimdall video on YouTube and I was just getting all these neck beards and I was like, this looks promising. I have like a neck beard with an e-cigarette and they'll be like, Black Heimdall is a very satisfying development okay. from an e-cigarette. You well, just discovered my new favorite Google game, which is to see what what combination of words will also bring up a type of vape that I yeah. didn't know existed before. So I'm just going to be randomly picking things. Is it vape? Yes. Yeah. This, this summer. The Black Heimdall thing. <laughs> and I just got like a million Black Heimdall unboxing videos. And I was like, okay, well this isn't... Because I wanted to like dredge up some, some good comments for this. This is great. Um, I, d I did get a, a couple of good ones though. And it did get me to thinking like... Could you imagine, like, because the, the Red Skull from Captain America is kind of connected to the Thor movies because he's, he's, like, searching for, like, the Viking Asgardian artifacts in, in the first Captain America and then he's kind of, like, blasted off somewhere at the end of Captain America 1 by the uh, Tesseract and it's kind of one theory is that maybe he got blasted back to Asgard or one of the realms and can you imagine how shocked he would be when he finds out that Heimdall is black? You'd be like, what is this? It's like, first we have the female Ghostbusters, uh, whatever that is in, like, like Geist Toten, done by Fraulein, and now Pimedal is, is a black man. It's like, I, I got a couple of original quotes where it's like, <laughs> This this was what people were saying about Heimdall. Oh, okay. Being I thought you meant you had more Red Skull material. Yeah. No, I'll, like, I'll do it. Let in the me Red adjust skull. my Pepe pin. In, in the, uh, I'll do a, a, an actual comment that was made before Thor came out about Heimdall. Wait, wait, wait. Reddit Skull. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Reddit Skull. Yep. Uh, uh, but done in like uh, Hugo Weaving as as the Red Skull. It's like. We will not be seeing any white heroes from Hollywood anymore. <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, that was one of the few. I, I'm surprised yeah. they didn't go for an anti-Semitic Hollywood take. But yeah, this one was Hollywood. Uh, and then, even if I wasn't a white nationalist, this would upset me. <laughs> even <laughs> for if other I, reasons. Even <laughs> if I wasn't a white nationalist, this would upset me, Captain America. If you're going to make a movie on my faith, then be accurate. But they're not making <laughs> But it's about the North it's about the Norse gods. Which no, is a, it's which... about a comic book. This is infuriating. <laughs> Done on purpose to mock white heritage and steal our folklore. It should be opposed on religious grounds. Oh my god. Is it okay to punch a a, a black Heim Heimdall hating Nazi? Is it okay to punch <laughs> that kind of Nazi? Not if they hate the vape. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, they're allowed so to hate the vape. It's got an issue with the battery. Right. Yeah, now now people who are saying I hate Black Heimdall are getting unfairly tired, and they can't defend themselves because they're vapors. <laughs> they got no chance. They're being like sucker punch, sucker punch by Antifa's yeah. on the street. They have weak lungs. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, oh like God. there was a lot of energy that was building up before the release of Thor because you had this Kenneth Branagh attached to directing it, so it's like, oh wow, a superhero film with Gravatar, and you had like. Like Anthony Hopkins as Odin, which was just so such a great like idea. There was this thing where they thought that well, like it, it was rumored before Anthony Hopkins got cast that Brian Blessed was going to be playing <laughs> Odin because he works with Kenneth Branagh all the time. <laughs> and I really wish that had happened. Like I would have loved a Brian Blessed Odin. I 
understand why because Anthony Hopkins was pretty much the only like one with star power at the time. Yeah. Like Natalie Portman was a star, but she was still kind of coming off the mm. post Phantom Menace's Natalie yeah, Portman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For post Star Wars thing, she was still never a box office draw for anything, mm. any blockbusters after that. Uh, it was post Black Swan, I think, right? Oh, yeah, I'm not it's, sure about that. Oh, Black, around, Swan Black Swan was like 2009, 2010. Oh, yeah, you might be right, actually. Kenneth Brenner directs this movie. It's very, it's very, uh, it's very, yes, unapologetically Shakespearean in a sense that it, it hired, well, it hired two Shakespearean actors and one Australian guy from Home and Away uh, to play, <laughs> to, to, to do to do these uh, father, son, brother triangle of 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 you know love and hate and redemption and mm. uh, you know the frost giants frost giants and so it, it is very funny to me to see chris hemsworth from home and away up against anthony hopkins and then up against you know up and coming at the time tom hiddleston who was mm. taking this so seriously and was really like i'm i'm on the scene i'm doing this um and we all know what happened to him but i guess it's just it, it, it's still funny to me to see them on screen together and be like, it's the guy with the with the abs from, from Summer Bay. Like, I just... I, I, I think Chris Hemsworth holds his own with mm. a clearly phoning it in Anthony Hopkins. Well, Chris Hemsworth can go toe-to-toe with an Anthony Hopkins who's only there for the paycheck. <laughs> like, yeah, easily toe-to-toe. Anthony Hopkins is... He's great in everything he does by default, but, you know, we've just watched Westworld, and after seeing yeah. him act his socks off in Westworld and being reminded of how powerful and good he is, he is kind of phoning it in. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's a quote from him, apparently, from set where the first time he was in full costume and Chris Hemsworth was in full costume, he kind of looked at Hemsworth and said, we really don't need to act here, do we? (laughs) (laughs) I was like... (laughs) Well, no, he doesn't. Um... That said, he does have some great line readings. We yeah. we uh, we enjoy uh, pretending like we're Anthony Hopkins. Uh, sorry, it's Anthony, isn't it? Or is it Anthony? No, it's Anthony. Oh, okay. It's Sir Anthony Hopkins. Mm. I know, but so I've, because he's Welsh, though, so isn't it sometimes Anthony? I, I don't know. I feel like I some people have, have called that, yeah. him that. Anyway, I think, it's, I think it's at least spelled Anthony. Yeah, it's mm. spelled that way, but I think yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. it doesn't matter. It, it we can we can we can move forward uh, with the review. I mean, it's <laughs> it's. I loved the Asgard stuff. I will agree. The Asgard stuff is is fantastic, and I will say the 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 depiction, like the art direction and the the, the production design um, and the effects of Asgard are stunning. And yeah. I remember seeing it in the cinema and being really impressed with how it looked and and feeling like, oh, okay, yes, this is what a mythical place would look like. I mean, I mean, it's only been six years, but <clears throat> almost all of the effects hold up now, <laughs> I reckon. Like, there's a few dodgy green screen shots Even then, it's not, yeah, not that like, noticeable. Yeah. It, it definitely, the effects are fantastic. What isn't so fantastic, and where I would challenge you on your Kenneth Branagh thing, is I feel like the action is pretty badly directed. Okay. I don't enjoy the fight scenes in this film. I, I mean, I think they're fine, but they're certainly nothing special. And there are a few times in it where I found myself going, okay, what am I looking at here? I just missed it. Like a lot of, a lot of times I find directors do this with action who aren't good at directing action. Forget establishing shots. They get, they get caught up in editing and cuts and the kineticism of fights that they forget to just show you where people are in, in the space of yeah. the frame. I think and, that's a fair question. And this happens in this a lot. Yeah. And 
Uh, it's funny. I, I, I thought to myself, you know, Wolverine Origins had better action than this. Ooh. No, no, no. <laughs> if you, I, I think you can go back to the tape of me saying on the episode where that, that if there was one redeeming thing about that film, it was that the director plonked the camera down and let the action happen yeah. in front of it. Yeah. That is not that does not happen in this movie, and it's really annoying. See, I, Thor. I'm blinded in Thor and Captain America. I'm very partisan because as soon as Thor throws his hammer at someone, <laughs> or hits someone with a hammer, or Cap throws his shield at someone, or hits someone with a shield then I'm just like, I'm, I'm done. Like, that's that's great. I'm, I'm going to love that no matter how it's shot. Like, it's the stuff with the so satisfying. I, I like that they did the full, like, constant spinning yeah. hammer and he's just holding it around. Like, but I do think this is a fair point. The, the establishing shot thing is is a real problem with most action sequences. And Kenneth Branner is not an action no, director. No, and it's very clear to that me. That definitely shows mm. in, the, in, the, mm. in the overall, in the film. Um, There's so, a lot of Dutch angles. Oh. That's that's what Kenneth Branham knows how to do. <laughs> well, that always on a sharp angle, so it looks like everyone's about to fall down a hill, and then just shoot it like that. Yeah, there were quite a lot of those. That's all you need. <laughs> that's how they do it in the theater, boy. Yeah. <laughs> theater. The uh, what was what's the the name of the theater? The Globe. The yeah. Globe. It was originally built uh, like the a stage. That's kind of like a reverse leaning tower. It was originally built at about a sixty degree angle, <laughs> and all the plays were performed that way. And over time, it slowly settled, and that's why we do our plays on a they horizontal put, stage now. They put all the fat noblemen on the yeah. western wall, and then it slowly sank the theater into the ground. <laughs> they called it the Gout Corner. <laughs> <laughs> the gap corner is also a vape. Oh, of course, yeah. Is it a vape? Uh, so I like that this opens with a little real-world prologue um, before getting into a very Lord of the Rings prologue. Like, it gives a full-on, like, you know, in the realm of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But before that, it gives you a nice little, just a brief little Natalie Portman's going to hit Thor with her car. Yeah. Mm. And, and then it goes into this whole Anthony Hopkins thing. And I think that probably came later, but it's a smart move to, like, just mm. kind of... J- Jump it in. So they give you a lot of background about Asgard and like where you're from, and it and it, very, it really echoes Lord of the Rings in terms of uh, how they sell the yeah. prologue. And I think that's probably to try and ease audiences in, like, hey, you know, you like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just a quick by the numbers bit, which is my new segment. I like I love this segment. It's so great. it was yeah. the original. <laughs> there better be numbers in this, or it's going to need to be renamed. The original prologue was set in 965 AD. That's a number. That's a number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the first, the first number in four that on... comes about 45 seconds into the running time. Is and that it's, it's on screen. Yeah, like on screen. 965, yeah, check it. All right, great. It's my what? desktop background. It's oh. that number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, the, the frost giants come down to, I guess, Norway or Sweden or whatever, wherever Vikings Viking are. Land, yeah. Viking land, and starts to like freeze everyone. And, and it's sort of assumed that he goes, oh, blah, 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 Ice Age. And I was like, hang on a minute. 965 was not when the Ice Age, that last Ice Age occurred. Didn't they say they were going but to that's put a thing. humanity into so a new that, Ice so Age? So maybe it wasn't going to be because because Odin came down and saved people. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. But maybe the Frost Giants created the first Ice Age and the second Ice Age. Maybe mm. that was what mm. happened. Probably. The dinosaur, they came down and fucked the dinosaurs. Well, think about it. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. They're like, that would, like, Midgard for a while was not a place you wanted to go. No, just because giants just giants. Them. Actually, they would have loved it. Asgard would have loved going to Midgard. Just in, riding in dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that would be great. Yeah. It's a good time. So Odin is, like, the king of Asgard, and he's like, it's this magical place. 
I mean, is it so? I mean, so of the nine realms, what is Asgard? Is it like the the head of all the realms? Like, it's why the, is the realm of the? Well, this is this is what I got from my studies of Norse mythology on white supremacist websites. <laughs> but Asgard is the realm of the the Aesir, I think, which is like that race of gods, and I think that's like the god realm. Then Midgard is us. Then there's like. Uh, Jotun, then there's all of the other seven realms, uh, the realms of those with poor bloodlines, uh, as, as they said. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. No, there's uh, Jotunheim, which is like the Frost Giants one. There's Niflheim. I think that's the dwarves. There's Svartalfheim, which is the dark elves. Alfheim, which is the normal elves. Uh, uh, elves. How many is that? Like six. Do oh, the numbers. Hells. Oh, yeah, where's the, the numbers? numbers. Where, where, yeah, where that you? was about six to nine realms. No, and there then there's hell, realms. right? Hell, yes. Yeah. And I'm not sure if Valhalla is a realm. I don't think so. No, Valhalla no, is the they, afterlife. They talk, yeah, they have to die to go to Valhalla. Yeah. So I guess it's not really like... You can't buy a frost up there. Yeah. So Asgard is like... So Asgard is where the... So the gods live, basically. Yeah. Okay. And that's why they live a long time. Yeah. And they just hang out there yeah so Thor and Loki are like about a thousand years old in this movie so why do they care about the so so they're gods in the sort of the the, the kind of traditional sense of their um, omnipotent and sort of um, um, sort of you know caring and and sort of patriarchal across the other world that's that's sort of varied according to what you read so in the movie it's more i think they do the more the thing where it's it's more like they're aliens who came down and then were worshipped by us as gods and that's it's kind of like an ancient aliens thing so that's why we know of thor and asgard because they came down and we just assumed they were gods whereas they they're just more like Aliens in this? But why did they come down? Like this? Oh, is they came down to stop the frost giants. Yeah, because they over. care about. I think Midgar. it's more like they wanted to keep the realms in balance or something like that. Keep the realms in a state of. But is that the, because they it's love us? Kind of this Cold War kind of approach to the the nine realms and that everything has to be in this geopolitical stasis. Mm-hmm. I, t- I took it to be like that the, they don't stand for realms taking over other realms. Right. So if if Midgard got you know got, got intergalactic travel and managed to go. And managed to go, you know, mm. fuck up Jotunheim. They'd also defend come Jotunheim. to defend Jotunheim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they then, do defend Jotunheim at the end of this movie. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and then they, they make sure to mention a couple of times in the Marvel Universe movies that, oh, they're just worshipped as gods or they think we're gods or something. So I, I think that they might not want to step on toes or go too weird. But then in some of the comics, like, they have gods as like a separate entity which is a god and like thor can hear people's prayers to him and it's yeah it's that's kind of what like i mean religious in nature but yeah i think it just depends on depends on who's writing right. it really sure all the prayers i hear seem to be about the casting of a movie and they don't <laughs> want a certain yeah. gentleman to be in it i don't understand <laughs> so so okay so then they're they're in asgard they're hanging out thor is nearly made Thor is nearly made god. We, we kind of get to his coronation ceremony, right? Well, he's made king of it. Odin is about to abdicate the throne, and he's and he's declaring uh, his son Thor the the new king. And then the frost giants attack. What happens? He gets interrupted mid sentence because his sentence is so long. It's like Thor, son of Odin, wielder of the hammer Mjolnir. I now pronounce you. Frost Giants. <laughs> <laughs> but between that, in that cap, there's like a good 
20 seconds of like, yeah, yeah. oh, the frost giants are invading downstairs in, yeah. into our, all their, um, the treasure room, the treasure room or mm. whatever. And so they get in there, but the destroyer, their sort of robot fire guy thing defends it pretty well. Mm. And, um, and so then, you know, uh, Odin and his two sons, Thor and Loki kind of go downstairs to check it out. And, and Thor's like, this is fucked. We need to go and take down Jotunheim. This is not, we can't do this. This is bad. And Odin's like, no, no, everything's fine. Like it's, we don't want to start a war over this. They, they paid with their lives and, and that's what happens. And this wasn't, this wasn't a political act. This was an act of people, just a few people. And, uh, and Thor's like, no. And he tells him and he goes, but when I am king and it was, but you're not. King. But you're not king. <laughs> not yet. So that's the only bit of acting that Anthony Hopkins does. Oh, no. There's another line later on. My there's, favorite line. There's a non-verbal the bit that I love, oh. which we'll get to. Yes. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know what too. I'm talking about. Um, but yes. And then uh, Thor basically gets, uh, get, gets, gets his blood angried up and he mm-hmm. goes to... Um, he, he, him and the Warriors three, mm-hmm. and, and the Lady Sif, and the Lady Sif, and his brother Loki, and Loki is also there, yeah. <laughs> and Loki. Yeah, but they, yeah. So, so he got basically is like, "Fuck this, we're going." Mm. Yeah, and they go to Jotunheim. Oh uh, well, before they go to Jotunheim, they have to get through. Uh, Heimdall. Heimdall. The controversial Heimdall. Who's God, he's good in this. Yeah. I so love Idris Elba as Heimdall in this I, one. I, I, I love, love it. talking about phoning it in, though. I no. love it. Well, I have to... I've got a lot to say about Heimdall that's not about white supremacist, okay. but rather about his character, so you can breathe out. Um, Heimdall in these movies, not just this one, but in, like, the sequel and in everything that he, like, has a snippet in, He's meant to, like, his thing is, like, the entire point of the character is, like, he's all-seeing. So he's, like, the gatekeeper of Asgard because he sees everything and everyone so he can tell when threats are coming. There's a lot that gets under his... There's a lot of people, like, coming in and out. And it's, like, everyone's just, like, strolling into, into and out of Asgard and getting up to all kinds of stuff. And he's just, like, he doesn't see anything. But isn't like, that all because of Loki? Yeah, but I, I mean, the Dark Elves do it in the second movie. Like, yeah, but he notices them. He like, notices them because they're in a spaceship that's yeah. coming like about a foot from but his no face. But no one else can see it. And about then he goes, you know what? Face. And he just jumps off and he pulls out his swords and he just stabs it even but though I, it's I invisible. I just love that because he's not a major character in these. He's like a side character and almost every single line he has in any of these movies is about how he failed to see something or failed to see something coming maybe because having a character who can see everything coming is dramatically not that interesting (laughs) I was watching every episode of Antiques Roadshow simultaneously (laughs) so I missed Loki once again (laughs) that's what Loki's the one putting them on as well he just keeps setting up he seems so dozy and he just like misses everything at all times and he can't see like that Loki is obviously obviously evil and he can't see that the the dark elves are getting in and out and it's like my my theory is that he's just like he can see people who are approaching his specific Bifrost gate in enough time to like close his computer screen and like stand up and hold his sword and pretend he's been watching the entire time. That's that's about all he can see. I think it's like the reason there's so many Dutch angles in this movie is that's like Heimdall's POV, where he's just kind of like lying, <laughs> up on it. He's, like leaning, is like slumped down on like uh, what do you call it? like a park bench in his like little observatory, just kind of like got his head having propped a little up. nap, yeah, yeah, having a little kip, and he's like. Just in, with one eye at an angle, he's just <laughs> seeing like something happen, and he's like, "Oh, I'll deal with that later." 
But yeah, so they the Warriors three are uh, and Thor and Lady Sif and Loki, like they come up to Heimdall is like, What? What did you say? Some frost giants got through, okay. I'll let you go deal with this. So he like allows them to zap themselves down. There's a bit of clumsy foreshadowing about like, why wouldn't you just leave the bridge open, Heimdall? Yeah. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, and then if he leaves it open, that will destroy a realm. Funny that you would mention that, mm. but like, you know, I guess maybe that'll come up later. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's a good piece of information because I certainly, I actually went, oh, later on, I was like, mm. oh, that's why. Yeah. So it actually <laughs> does help for dummies like me. You gotta, you, you gotta have those in a movie. Yeah, it yeah. just always feels like Well, a, you know, what it is, you gotta show the gun, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you gotta show Chekhov's Bifrost. That's mm. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ray Stevenson. I want to give just a quick mention of uh, Volstag, one of the Warriors 3, yeah. played by Ray Stevenson, who has also played the Punisher mm. in past. He's in Punisher Wars. That's right. He is the Punisher. Now, the other thing about it is, isn't he supposed to be big and roly-poly? Mm. He's not really yeah. that big. Volstag the, the Voluminous, I think, is yeah. in the comics. Yeah, which is why every line that he has in the movie is about how he's eating. Or so, yeah. in well, at least he has lines food. in the movie, apart from the other one who doesn't talk at all, the Asian one. Hogan the Grim. Hogan the Grim. Is he Asian in the comics? Um, well, I was or is this another thing that, that the white supremacists can Well, get I did about. read that people were angry about him as well, but that was funny because I'd always just assumed he was Asian in the comics. Uh, so I looked it up. Apparently, he was originally designed to look like Charles Bronson or something. But oh, okay. They, I, don't, I think his character was always so vague that at some point in time, they ended up like just turning him into Asian and like no one really noticed or cared. Yeah. So I think it, he's definitely Asian looking in like current comics. Right. Because all the runs I've read, he, are, he is. But I'm not sure if he was started that way. Well, anyway, the point is he doesn't really have a character. All he mm. does is... He's of... grim. Hogan the Grim. Mm, okay. Hogan! <laughs> <laughs> He's got a really cool little mace weapon that he yeah. uses. He clicks a button and all the spikes come out. Yeah, that was cool. cool. So, yeah, they go down to Jodenheim. Uh, they talk tough. Uh, Laufey is played by Colm Fiore. Laufey's yes. the king of the Frost Giants. Yes. Colm Fiore also in Chronicles of Riddick, another movie that similarly commits real hard mm. and doesn't apologise for a wacky space premise. With varying levels of success. Well, um, Pitch Black, which is... Is that what it was called? Pitch Black? Pitch first? Black was the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, Pitch Black is, like, legitimately cool. The I, I like Chronicles of Riddick, but I, I acknowledge right. it's very silly. Well. <laughs> I, I get why all the problems. Well, it's Vin Diesel. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> and Com Fior. Okay. So um, he's... Yes. So he's, he's playing, the bad guy. playing Laufey. Uh, they have a bit of a tete-a-tete -tete and he says, mm. just, just get out of here. Just, mm. just fuck off. Yeah. And, um, they're almost about to fuck off and then someone, uh, mutters a little, like, I think they call Thor princess. Yeah. Run away princess. Yeah. And, and then Thor in typical Australian bloke. What'd you say, mate? What'd you yeah. fucking say? <laughs> Smashes him with a hammer and then yeah. fighting Smashes ensues. It. I think his, his weapon was originally a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> a fucking glass. glass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and they're spinning it around. Yeah. <laughs> so then they have a big fight scene. Yep. And so yeah, the first major fight scene of the film is uh, between um, Thor and his mates and, and the, the Frost Giants. And then this big, scary Frost Giant dog thing, monster thing comes and gets them. And Thor does manage to beat that thing. But then they're still like surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of Frost Giants. And there's mm -hmm. no way he can take them all on. And so Daddy comes to rescue him. Mm. On his uh, mythical, like, what is it, eight-legged horse, yep. which is kind of cool. You only see a little flash of it, but really nice little detail there. And he's like, Father, let's take them together. Silence! Silence! 
He's so hissy. Of a boy. Mm-hmm. He's so hissy in this movie. He's like, so, um, yeah. That's how he talks. Yeah. He's the great whisperer. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> so they so they take him back up and then they have the big fight. Yeah. The big fight cuz Thor gets in big trouble, guys. Thor is in huge trouble. The, do you remember how around this this is actually a few years ago, but like in the sort of the George W. Bush era, like everything was informed by being a weird parallel of Bush's presidency, or like it just kept showing up in all sorts of yeah. things. And I wondered if there was a bit of like uh, hangover from that. hangover from that in this because you've got a uh, you've got a guy who's going to become king and his father was king, but he's not really as good as his father and yeah. he's kind of not very bright. And I wondered if there was a bit of like early drafts of the script were written during the Bush era. Does that make Jeb Loki? That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Please clap. Uh, but but hang on a minute. Is so is the the, the storyline of of Thor, you know, being banished from Asgard, and that's how he sort of becomes um, connected, really personally to Earth. Is is that in the comics, or in the comics does he just come to Earth? So originally, uh, he was banished to kind of like to get humility same as in the movie but rather than just like stripping him of his powers and his hammer uh, odin like puts him into a mortal's body who's a separate person called donald blake and donald blake and thor kind of share the same body and then when donald blake who has a limp he if he if he taps his cane on the ground, then it turns into the hammer and he turns into Thor. Right, so it's like yeah. a, t- a double identity sort of Clark Kent situation. more of a classical superhero. Yeah, yeah, like. kind yeah. Of, But, but yeah. Donald Blake is still a different person. Right. Yeah. So it's more like they're both sharing the same body. Mm. And okay. then Thor just so kind of It's like a bit more like the Hulk, I guess. Yeah, in right. In terms of them but being separate Very unnecessarily confusing. Yeah. So it's good that they kind of just excise that for the yeah. movie. Um, but yeah, they have the big fight. Oh yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking was that there's now also, you can have extra presidential parallels now because Thor is also a war-hungry man-child who's very concerned with border protection. So... <laughs> and great blonde hair. Yeah, fantastic. The best blonde hair. The, the best. Greatest Tremendous. Blonde hair you'll ever see. Folks, this hair. <laughs> so maybe it's just that like any... Anything vaguely Shakespearean can probably have parallels to politics at any point. I mean, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, or monarchies or something like that. I mean, yeah. But yeah, they have the argument. This is where Anthony Hopkins, my favourite line from Anthony Hopkins, which is not even a line at all, happens where... Yep. Well, hang on a minute. Oh, this oh, is before, did. this is after, oh no, is this after the big, the, the, our favourite well, exchange Well, we'll let Owen do his first, then okay. I'll do mine, and then... The listeners can decide who did the better. <laughs> so Anthony. Gonna, it's not about if I can do it. It's just the, this is the moment I love where he, Thor tries to appeal his case. And rather than even saying anything, Odin just goes, Aah! No, no, he, he does that to Loki, though. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, sorry. Loki yeah, goes, yeah, Father, like, please. Yeah. Father. He goes, and That's all I care about. I don't care who says it to him. It's just <laughs> the fact just, that he's just growling. Yeah, he, <laughs> you remember in the first trailer for Thor, they had that shot, but instead of him making that sound, it was like a lion's roar? No, I didn't see that. That'd be great. I watched the original Thought Trailer so many times, and that was the one one of the things people on the internet were talking about constantly. It's like, wow, is Odin going to make lion noises all the way through this? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a weird assumption to make. (laughs) But it was a bit of a weird sound effect to put in. But anyway, this scene also has my favorite Anthony Hopkins line in this movie, or my favorite exchange between him and uh, Thor. This is the famous one. Yeah. Where uh, Hopkins goes, like, 
You were a vain, cruel, arrogant boy. And Hemsworth goes, and you were an old man and a fool. And then it's it's so great. I was saying that like nonstop. Such gravitas. Toe to toe, held his own. Yeah. <laughs> With a very sleepy Anthony Hopkins. Well, it's funny because there was that there was a a, a, a scene where um, Caitlin, his girlfriend on uh, on Home and Away, said a very similar thing to, to Chris Hemsworth, and he replied very similarly, "You were an old man and a fool," even though she was like an eighteen year old. So you know he had a lot of practice. Alf was also there. Yeah. Alf was there, yeah, yeah, bloody, bloody galah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't leave the Bifrost open, you bloody drongo. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Anyway, yeah, he gets banished. Uh, Odin whispers some magic into the hammer and says, "Whoever, whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor." And throws it down after him. He ends up in New Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets hit with Natalie Portman's car. Yep, right. because we? she's a scientist. She's this. I mean, I don't. What kind of scientist is she? A, a, a nanotech, a, no, it's a, a astrophysicist. Is yeah. that what she is? Because she's talking about okay. like black holes and wormholes in space and stuff. So I guess I guess oh, astro- she must be really good on Twitter. Anyway, um, so she's an astrophysicist who is um, like she's sort of like a storm chaser. She's chasing mm. this sort of this um, phenomenon, this this activity that's happening in the sky, and it's her. It's her sort of mentor slash sort of. I don't know, Professor um, Selvig, uh, played by Stellan Sarsgaard, who's fantastic, and he becomes a recurring character throughout the Marvel mm. Universe. Um, but he he's like her her colleague. And and a character which I've never... Re- I love her, but I've never really understood what her deal is. Kat Dennings as Darcy, the assistant. Now, I know that her point is to provide comic relief, what is she? But like, she's also there assistant. so that they can have someone to to do the mm. Star Trek thing of going like uh, dumbing down the science to yeah. just some basic but, keywords. But I just, I just don't understand why she, a she even needs an assistant. B like, I don't get. She's not her friend. She's not. She's just sort of. They don't even there. like each other. They they're, hate each they're other. They're family. It's just like the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> they're family or Suicide Squad. I don't know. I just don't get the character. Like, I don't get why the character is there. It just it feels so tacked on. It's like, oh, we got- you're right. We need someone to do it. Uh, let's just say there's a chick that hangs around there. Like, uh, And at one point, you know, Natalie Portman has an awful throwaway. Look, Natalie Portman is, I've never been a huge fan of her, but she's she's fine. And in this, though, she's, it, talk about thankless girlfriend role. And for, mm. you know, for an Oscar-winning actress, it must it must be quite disappointing for her to go to set every day and say some of the stuff she has to say in this movie. Because mm. it's not that it's bad writing, it's just so bland and boring she and nothing. She doesn't get anything oh. to do. And there's a scene where she's like, she was the only applicant. Like, just mm. all that sort of really throwaway, just lazy writing. If, if there was, if this was, sorry, a 90s movie, then instead of Kat Dennings in, in, the, assist, in, the, ah, in the assistant role, Natalie Portman's character would have built a robot assistant and it would, like, it would speak kind of, like, broken English and she'd be able to talk to it and explain things to it and that would fill that role. Probably. And yeah. also comically if this was well. If this was a <clears throat> Star Wars movie, it would be a droid. Mm. True. Yeah. Anyway. Fair. 
Pat Dennings is a droid. Also, if it was a Star Wars movie, Natalie Portman would be uh, way more wooden in all of her delivery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Still, we've we've seen we've yeah. been there. This oh. is the thing. Like this is like I think she's a lot better in this than she is in the prequels. Oh, yeah. and it's that thing where you say this is what happens when you put someone with a with a director who actually cares about actors. Like mm. you can have decent acting in a blockbuster movie as oh, long yeah. as you've got. Sure. You know, um, Kenneth Branagh, as opposed Branagh. to George Lucas. Who do you think got sick of being in the Marvel Universe first? Uh, Natalie Portman or Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, Natalie Portman, 100%. Yeah, I think yeah. she was sick of it by like halfway through this movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah she, she's checked out because she doesn't want to be in the second one and she's now yeah. pretty much refusing to Written be in any more of them. Yeah. yeah. Which is a shame because I was really hoping they would do... They would end up doing the female Thor story. Oh, no, they still do, but her. they won't do it with Jane Foster. Not with her. No, because yeah. she will not come back <laughs> for anything. I did thought I read something recently that said she was open to it if the right thing came along, but mm. she was certainly wasn't open to Rangarok or the current sort of you know yeah, thing. State of but things. I think mm. she she has sort of come softened a bit and said yeah. like, oh, you know, I mean, if they came to me with something really good, I would yeah. do it. But she's not going to be the um, woman that shield during Infinity War on the other end of the radio where they're like she's like oh Thanos has opened up like an Einstein Rosen bridge from his planet to ours and and then they're like thanks thanks Jane like she's not going to be doing no. that yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, also I'm glad because that that would be that would be pretty bad <laughs> I hope they don't have that character at all <laughs> Maybe it should be Anthony Hopkins instead. Just recast him as <laughs> No, what they need is to bring in... So what they need to do... I've been thinking a lot about this in Ooh, terms of... For Infinity, for, for War. Infinity War. is bring in um, the Betsy... Um, the Brand, Abigail Brandt story. I call, it, call her Betsy Brand. Brandt. Brand, yeah. I call her Betsy yeah. Brandt because that's the name of the actress from... Um, from Breaking no, the, Bad, but it's Abigail Brand. Wait, isn't is Betsy Brandt uh, the Daily Bugle secretary? Yeah, I think she she's is. also yeah. I think she's yeah. also the name of the actress who played the sister on Breaking Bad. Don't quote me, but I'm oh, pretty sure yeah, that's no, the same name. Right. Anyway, but no, I'm saying they need that Abigail. They need the the space version of Shield yeah. thing happening. I was surprised. I was waiting for that to show up after the first Avengers movie. Well, really, she should fit into um, as in Sword. Yeah, yeah. yeah that sword needs to, to be honest, sh- really show its face in Guardians of the Galaxy. That sword, and, can, and that would link the two worlds pretty well, I reckon. Sword but, may actually belong to Fox because it was first introduced in X Men. Mm, so that right. might be, but I mean, who knows really? But yeah, it would have maybe Captain she'd be, Marvel. She'd be like, yeah, she or in Captain Marvel, she'd be like almost like the the she'd be like the space Nick Fury. Fury yeah to sort of could you imagine like a character like that dealing with like Peter Quill it would be good mm. right anyway I think that so she might be the one saying oh they've opened a bridge that's my point continue <laughs> who else could could say that they've opened a bridge <laughs> Literally let's anyone? do the numbers <laughs> Idris Elba Heimdall would be like after they've opened the bridge and then like five minutes later but he's just talking about the first movie yeah yeah They've opened the bridge. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, then we get a lot of scenes of them kind of being like, what's this weird guy? Oh, look, he's real buff. And, yeah. you know, lots of misunderstandings between Asgardian culture and Earth yeah. culture, like smashing and a cup on the ground. Little funny like verbal disagreements, like he's yelling face hammer and then Kat Deming- Dennings is like, yeah, I know you're hammered. <laughs> it's like such a such a comical misunderstanding. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like, so, like, yeah, they're, they're all like fun little bits. The best bit. By far the best bit 
is when he goes, I'm looking for Molnir. And she goes, meow meow. Meow meow. Meow meow. She goes, what's meow meow? And that is probably the best joke of the movie. Genuine laugh. Yes, true. And that's a nice, that gets called back in the second Thor movie as well. Like there's a bit where like Thor flies past. She goes, Thor. And then like someone else flies past. And then she just says that. And then rule three is like Mjolnir flies past. And she goes, meow meow. It's like, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a section where the, cause the hammers landed in the desert, and all the and all the like local good old boys <laughs> are trying to lift it, and they can't because none of them are worthy. And that would have been a real twist if one of them was. Yeah, like, <laughs> real like oh, it really throws a spanner in the works. Huh. But yeah. okay, <laughs> is this the worst Stanley cameo of all Marvel movies? No, no. I think it might be because I couldn't think of a worse one. I hate this cameo, and it's only because because he's a truck, he's driving a truck, yeah. and they're like he's like they've got a chain linked up to it, and he's like, and then it like flips the entire back tray off the truck mm. and then he like turns around and goes did it work no the worst uh. one is um i think spider-man 3 where it's standing below the the news ticker and it says like spider-man is a hero and he like goes to this kid and pats him on the shoulder and says you see that people can be heroes oh, okay or something something like that right, i'd forgotten that i think i've seen spider-man There's 3 once so many of them are terrible i mean yeah. they're all they're all equally There's garbage. There's a couple of I good ones. No, I There's a couple of good ones. Small, small ones are fine. When um Tony's when someone uh, calls him Hugh Hefner in Iron Man yeah. Two or something, and he's on the red like carpet. That so much, like, yeah. oh, that's alright, but it was like one second. It was yeah. like short and short and sweet. The one in the, the Amazing Spider-Man One, which is the first Andrew Garfield yeah. Spider-Man, he's the librarian with the headphones on while the battle with the mm. lizard is going on behind him, and he keeps like not noticing. And, oh, that like, was a bit too silly for me. I, I like that. I thought that was. Fine. I just think they're all terrible. I like that's a classic gag that I enjoy of like the person who's not noticing the thing mm. behind them and they're yeah. constantly in peril, but they don't realise. Um, and his cameo in Deadpool's pretty good. I can't even remember. He's an that announcer one. at a strip club. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so it's funny that they just cut to him and it's oh it's deadly. Oh, God. Like look being as dirty an old man as he looks <laughs> at yeah. all times. That so kinda like, works. Yeah, it kinda works. He is revolting. Yes. Um then what happened? Yes, yeah, Shield turns up, they show up, they set up a base around, oh, that's right. around Mjolnir, and then they uh, Thor goes to beat him up. This is basically I love this fight scene. <sighs> See to me this is that this whole middle of the movie when he's in the town I mean what can we talk about this little toy town that they seem to be in? Like, every time you see this town in New Mexico, it looks literally like it's a, a tiny town built for um, model trains. Like, it, it's just like, it doesn't even look real. It looks tiny. It, what is this place? Would I don't you even... say it looks like a theatre set? Yes. He <laughs> stole it from, like, a street car kind of design yeah. or something. Yeah, it's just... You get Kenneth Branagh, you get theatre. Yeah. It's just really... Good or it's Ill. like really tinkery or something. I can't explain it. And, it didn't bother me. I just thought it was a very small, remote town. Oh, I didn't mm. like it. And, it. and just the whole thing just has this weird vibe of... I guess because it's so small, the stakes feel very low. It just feels like it's this but weird stuff. But I like stuff. that because uh, the thing I didn't like about Thor 2 is that it's another world-ending threat. I get that. And but it's, it's nice that it's just like, it's mainly between him and his brother and then a completely different planet filled with monsters. Like, I get that. That's fine. But it's still, my point is just like, it just felt so unepic. In and, I, and I'm not saying make it New York City, but but it, it just, I don't know, it... it it yeah. felt weird. It just looked visually weird to so, me. To me, making it feel unepic forces it to be far more about character, which I mm. think was a real advantage for this movie. But 
fair point. Like that, the, yeah, it's about whether or not the unepic works for you. For me, it works, and for you, it doesn't. Well, it's, it, you know what? It would work, and I say this again, if Thor was a compelling character. So yeah. this is the bit where we're supposed to start. This is where Thor has his, like, rock bottom, right? So yeah. he's, he's, he's a fish out of water. He's big, you know, there's a few things going on. One is that Sel, you know, Selvig is like, hmm, this guy actually might not be crazy. This guy might be an actual god, like, because he's, you know, he's Scandinavian and kind of knows this mythology. You know, then there's a love story happening. Um, Then there's the shield stuff happening. Um, Then there's the, um, him, his, you know, Loki comes down and starts manipulating him and tells him that his dad's dead, tells him that he's not really welcome back. And so he's hitting this. He's hitting his emotional bottom. Um, he can't pick up Mjolnir, Mjolnir, <laughs> and you know he just. So this is where all of this stuff is happening, like quote unquote character stuff. But it's not that compelling. Like I'm like uh, uh, whatever. And then you know, and then the big climax is when he gets his, his he gets his powers back for for you know whatever reason. And we're supposed to be, I mean, yes, it's satisfying him putting on his cape again and everything, but I'm just like, if that's the best you can do for half an hour, it's, it, it just doesn't do it for me, guys. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I don't know. Like, I, when he finally becomes worthy again and you see his hammer just start flying up through the sky and breaking the sound barrier and catches it and then, like, the lightning hits and I... That's still one of my favorite Marvel movie moments for me. Again, the direction lets it down. Often don't know what I'm looking at in that scene. Like it's very, so basically from the point of the lightning hitting, Mm. you don't get an establishing shot of Thor in full figure. I noticed that when I watched it again last night. Yeah, that was intentional that time is in so that it's building up and panning out the arm and then you show him in his full glory. But but they don't, you don't see him in his full I think you get him from, I think you get him basically (laughs) torso up. Because of movie magic, this is the first production Kenneth Branagh's been on where he got to strike an actor with lightning and then that actor actually survived. And then so many other can, actors lost. Yeah. Dude, on on stage, on stage, you pull that trick, yeah. and they they just die. It's just, like it's just a trap door opens to the stage. Desire to strike actors with lightning. He Don't won't know let why. up. Yeah, and then whenever he'd do a production of King Lear yep. in the theater during the storm scene, <laughs> 10, 10 to twenty actors per per production. Yep. they just kept burning through them. You just got all these like elderly actors who look kind of like Ian McKellen yeah. to put out for that scene, <laughs> yeah. and then Ian comes back, Serian comes back in for. Yeah, it's like it's like the prestige. Like, who have like an old, an old actor, like pretending dressed in Leah's clothing yeah. with their back to the audience. Pull the trap door. Gets, gets struck with like, <laughs> gets like just has to grab onto his like open, open like cord, electrical cord, splash with a bucket of water. <laughs> trap door opens, he falls in a coffin, and then Ian McKellen comes up with a little smoke bomb. I will but, say, uh, didn't have to do it this time with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, did direct and star in uh, an adaptation of Frankenstein, so you might be onto something. <laughs> <laughs> may not be as crazy. See, he does film. seek out. He seeks out the lightning ones. Exactly. Um, so, oh, there is a thing where early, meanwhile, where a lot of the fish out of water stuff yep. happening, Loki finds out that he's actually a, a, a frost giant mm. who was taken, mm. uh, he's Laufey's son, 
and um, he has he has the teeth throws a temper tantrum when he finds it out, mm. and it's so boring that his dad falls asleep <laughs> <laughs> into the Odin sleep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, what a great Odin, which is the greatest nap ever. Like it seems yeah. like it's super comfy. Uh, another just... my, another one of my a great, uh, well delivered. Uh, Anthony Hopkins' line is when they're having their fight and Loki's like, so you just took me to lock me away down, lock me away down here like one of your treasures. And uh, Anthony Hopkins is like, why do you twist my words? <laughs> <laughs> he does that thing in, in Westworld where he spends about like 30 seconds at the end of each word. Like, oh, I can't think of a line now, but it's like the Letting last... Letting out. Yeah, the last syllable yeah. will always be like, hello, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Would you like to see my new robot? Yeah, he does do that very well. I, it's it kind of his yeah, it's his thing. But I, I think yeah. So this is where that this is where the Loki turn happens. Although we're then led like so at first at first glance, this is now the this is where Loki quote unquote turns bad because he finally the sympathetic kind of uh, I guess twist for the character is oh he's he's realized that they've been lying to him his whole life but then it's revealed later or, or certainly it's it's also sort of shown that no he was bad before that hmm. like he let the frost giants in before he knew that was the case so well that, he's that very one... likable like okay he's likable but he's also kind of seems like a good guy at the very beginning of the movie he's kind of on thor's hmm. side and you don't really suspect much of him he's he's genuinely playing it like that he he cares for his brother, like in those early scenes, you, it's not like it cuts away. Kenneth Branagh doesn't then get Tom Hiddleston to smirk. He didn't even get Tom Hiddleston to smirk when he did when he did the come down and tell him and lie to his face about the father stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, I was really expecting when Tom Hiddleston did the turn for him to do the classic sort of like for his <laughs> yeah the the, the 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 oh I'm a villain I'm really lying but he doesn't like the the the, the performance is quite reasonable in a way like it's not hand-wringy um uh villainous as he sort of tends to be in avengers and in thor 2 like where he's he's a bit more outright evil even then he's not particularly like you know evil evil but yeah it's just it's an interesting take it's almost like he's too nice at the beginning like i the 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 turn of loki being the, the villain whether it's the fact that Tom Hiddleston is kind of so charismatic naturally, whether it's whether it's an acting choice, whether it was a mistake, and they they did actually mean to make him to make him seem more menacing, I don't know. But yeah, it's a it's a very it's an interesting character. It's an interesting hmm. villain. I I still and even in the, the end of you know his bits in the second Thor movie, which is much worse than this one, is still the best stuff too. Like hmm. you know that the, the the way the characters. The interacts with 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 Thor is is genuinely interesting, but yeah. I don't know. I'm still I'm still. So why was he bad before he found out that his well, dad at the, at the very he was start, adopted? He mentions that he he just let the frost giants in during Thor's coronation to like ruin his big day and maybe delay Thor becoming king because he was just a gigantic oaf. And right. Loki's like, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So Which maybe is actually I'll... quite an admirable thing. Yeah, well, there was just a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of just like... He didn't want to hurt, hurt anyone except for the Frost Giants. He was like, I'll let a couple in just to cause a bit of a... It was, like kind of ruin, it was like a ruining 
a wedding in like a romantic comedy. It's like, oh, I'll ruin their big day, and yeah. then they'll they'll you know it should be great for them, and then they'll then they'll. So be his sorry. motivations early on were quite, I guess, benign and not necessarily quote unquote evil. Yeah, um, and then later later on, it turns to like he wants to basically it's like he wants Odin to be like proud of him. So his plan is to uh, destroy Jotunheim for mm. once and for all because he thinks maybe that'll make Odin proud of him and he's also got some issues with his frost giant heritage which is trying to kind of get his head around but it's, it's very very personal um rather than Avengers he's like where... the opposite of Rachel Dozel <laughs> yeah you know like she oh, pretended her, right. she, she was like really wanting to take on that other kind of you know oppressed minority hmm. um mantle and, and own it and like but he this is the opposite hmm. like he's like a self-hating um Frost Giant. Well, it's interesting that you say that Loki is, like, really likable in this, despite himself, because after Tom Hiddleston sort of took off and Loki became, like, the best Marvel villain, uh, the comics kind of changed him as well. So Mm. he turned into more of, like... uh, a guy who's like a bit of a a bit of a con man but sort of with a heart of gold and trying to do good and then they kind of like de-aged him first to a child and then to like someone who is tom hiddleston's age and looks exactly like tom hiddleston and is handsome so basically in the comics now he is just tom hiddleston yeah and he's not even the god of lies anymore he's the god of like storytelling and he kind of uses his manipulation and sort of creative powers for, for good mm. uh, but yeah that's definitely all come I mean, from the movies that's always like I'm always a fan of villains that can be good like I do hmm. like the way some comic book characters do that like sort of I mean I think Namor the Submariner is very similar like can yeah. be good and bad at different times well I mean and- so many villains have gone good now like um Magneto's been good for yeah, a while Magneto's now. Um, Doctor Octopus went good for a while, and then wasn't that the whole thing where he was Spider-Man? For yeah, a he like took he over Spider-Man's body and then tried to be yeah. a hero. Like he was still kind of a bad guy, but he was actually trying to be a good guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a big one now. I uh, Doctor Doom is now a good guy, yeah. or trying to be. Um, Sabretooth is now a good guy. Like, yeah, they they keep on turning him good, which I really like. A Juggernaut. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a ton of them. But I, I don't know. I just, I feel like uh, it's all, I don't know. Is, is, is Tom Hiddleston, is Loki in the Marvel Cinematic Universe too likable? Is he too, is it actually detrimental to the, to the films? Oh, no, not at all. I think it's good that they've got at least one villain who's charismatic. <laughs> difference, the like, difference between charismatic and okay well the, and, I, I think it's an advantage to have a likable villain somewhere in there but also like he's likable in Thor but in Avengers like you still want him to get his ass kicked and when Thor uh, not Thor when Hulk kind of like smashes him around like a ragdoll at the end that moment gets cheers but, like but, every time but, like he yeah. can turn on the villain when he needs to be a villain Mm. What's wrong with having a likable villain? Not that it's not the likability, or it's almost that he overshadows from a from a fan and sort of well, like like yeah, I mean. Mm. But is that the so guy, much the movie itself, or is that? But it, that's it, what I'm it, saying, it, it, or the Tom Hiddleston brand. Is the annoying part everything that happens around the movie? Yeah, kind of. Everything else? I think so. Yeah. I think what I'm saying is, does does the fact that that sort of yeah, Tumblr and or and or whatever takes over and become you know a character a character or an actor becomes the internet's boyfriend does that then diminish i don't know the performance and also other and movies like 
is the fact that now everyone wants Tom Hiddleston to be to be everyone wants Loki to come back. You know, did Ultron have not much of a chance because of the ridiculous love that Loki had? You know what I mean? Like I've, I almost feel like the the playing field isn't level anymore. But I mean, that's a good thing. It's just that they've set a high bar for villains, which they don't really manage to 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 defeat much because most of their villains are like just angry, growling kind of like genocidal weirdos, like Red Skull, uh, Malekith. Um, the guy Ronan from, the yeah, Accuser Ronan, yeah. like they're all just like they very... all get really good actors yeah. who could be the internet's boyfriend but then they put so much makeup on them or whatever and then they can't you know or just or just get them to be yeah megalomaniacs you know mm. you know I don't know I, I just feel like it's it's a combination of the character being being really likable and being good to mm. and also the, the the actor just I guess lightning striking with Mm. With a particular actor, you know, hitting it, like he's yeah, like Kenneth Branagh knows a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see how any of that's a downside. I know I, 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 I can't explain. I'm not it's explaining like, myself. He's a well. good character and actor, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just think is he too good? I don't know. Is he? Is he? Too, is Do he... we need to somehow disfigure Tom Hiddleston <laughs> <laughs> to make him less like? Is he? Does he have too much power in the world? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he is. He did kind of this year the whole Taylor Swift thing, and then going on yeah. the Golden Globes and saying that Sudan loves him or something. What's That's... to stop him charming his way into a bank vault? <laughs> <laughs> this man has too much power. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so anyway, I guess. I don't know. I'm maybe not explaining myself very well, but I just feel like sometimes the the Loki love might maybe has damaged Marvel Cinematic Universe a little bit. I think that's. I mean, I don't know. It's a thing where I feel like it's easy enough to avoid Mm. if you don't go on Tumblr or if you don't, you know, if you just mute a few hashtags. Um, plus he also hasn't been in it since Thor 2 no. like he's been out for a while and I think part of that is probably a conscious decision to be like oh, he'll come back though yeah, well, he'll, be, he'll be in Rangaroth he's currently on the throne of Asgard yeah, so. yeah. well um if if they do Infinity like he's not in the ori- I don't think he's in, in the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline but there is a character which he could probably really easily kind of take the role of uh, because in Infinity War when Thanos has got full control uh He's got Mephisto, who's like the Marvel Universe devil, or like what the one of the many sort of devil characters they have, who's kind of just like a witness to Thanos and kind of like talking to him and traditionally a bad guy, but kind of like completely out of his depth. And I think Loki could easily be that guy if they choose to go that way. But yeah, I think there's still ways to, to use him. I don't think it's overused yet. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, I can't feel like I've derailed the conversation a little bit. That's fine. Where did we get to? Uh, basically, Loki then sends the destroyer to um, the little town in New Mexico. Thor mm. sacrifices himself to save everyone. The Warriors Three are also there, as is the Lady Sif. And then, um, what? He gets his powers back. back. Mm. They all go back to Asgard to fight Loki. He has the Frost Giants come in to kill Odin. He let them in, but then he kills the Frost Giants to make mm. it look, make himself look like a hero. Yep. And so he then uses that as his justification to turn the Bifrost against 
Jodenheim, as mentioned earlier, mm. if you leave it open, somewhere in there, Heimdall gets frozen with the casket. He's, I think he's he was frozen. Yeah. I think he was just standing still. <laughs> it was just an illusion. It was one of Loki's illusions. This is like and Heimdall my, just didn't notice. This is like one of my favorite bits of the movie is that he like he goes like Thor. Um, sorry, Loki fires him basically mm. and says like he says, "Well, then I need no longer obey you." And he gets his sword out and Loki freezes him and he's just stuck in this kind of like sword raised yeah. kind of with ice and yeah. then like, they cut back to him every now and again and he's just like constantly going <laughs> and there's like little cracks forming and he's just yeah. like flexing so hard that he gets out of the yeah. ice later yeah. and then eventually they cut back to him and he just breaks out and kills but that's when Thor is like you know um you know, Heimdall, open the gates, open the gates, yeah, yeah, open yeah. the Bifrost. Open yeah. the Bifrost. And yes. Heimdall's just like flexing as hard as he can to get out, break out of yeah. ice, and he kills it, and he lets him back. Anyway, yeah, they open the Bifrost, it goes down, and then Thor fights Loki on the bridge, and he smashes the bridge to stop the Bifrost. So I, I really everyone. like that final fight because it was basically fight. just like a Loki Thor thing, and Thor started the movie just wanting to go to a different planet and kick the shit out of the monsters there just because he was like this hot-blooded kind of frat boy and at the end he has to like step in and actually save that planet because he realizes that genocide is bad yeah. uh and then yeah i just kind of liked that the stakes were high in terms of like casualties but it wasn't to do with earth like it's not like oh the frost giants are gonna invade earth so we need to just beat the shit out of them again like we did in 965 and it's gonna be just There's a repeat of that mm. yeah yeah, uh, I mean that's that's pretty much it. And then to to, to finally save save um, Jodenheim and to beat Loki, he um, he just instead of he he can't actually get to the Bifrost; it's too powerful. So instead, what he does is he breaks the Rainbow Bridge um, that kind of connects the Bi or sort of you know has the Bifrost on it. And uh, at that point, uh, he and Loki kind of uh, are falling into the cosmos, but then Odin wakes up and saves them both. And then Loki decides not to live anymore, uh, apparently, and lets go of uh, let's go of, of Thor, who's holding them oh, holding her down. Sorry, I'm laughing because our cat's being mischievous. You have been possessed by the by the by Loki, the god of mischief, Bella, getting up to no sorts of no good. She Is could that... just walk into a bank. Let's just <laughs> yeah. stop her from walking into a bank. I think your cat's too She's likeable. terrified of she's, going outside. She's too likable. <laughs> she's too likable. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know. Then it ends. Yeah, Rhymdahl's looking out over the mm. over space. The thing is, right? They just rebuild the bridge, though, don't they? They just in yeah. the, for the second one. They've just built it again, right? Presumably. Uh, is it back by the second one? They they mentioned in Avengers that that he had to like do a special thing to get him to Earth. And then like, in right. the, the, in the Thor two, they're going from realm to realm doing cleanup because it's like one while the bridge was down, like all of these realms fell into like disarray. So I guess. I guess Asgard is kind of like top dog and keeping everyone else in check because, uh, yeah, they te they had to just like storm in and they go to like a random space space Asian planet and then they're like, hey, Hogan, why don't you just crash here for a bit? And he's like, okay. Don't they, they, that is his home though, right? Like, I, I think they, they know that. They they're just like, see ya. And then Hogan's <laughs> like, they wait, say wait. like, this is your realm. You should be with your family or but something But it was just like weird because he was like written out of the movie it after like weird. one scene. Yeah. He was never seen again. Yeah. It's like, okay, he's on planet. Yeah. Planet like Mon Mongolian planet or something. <laughs> well, no, because he has his like... <laughs> Look at Lawrence. Well, no, because like they were going for like a... Like a... 
with his design, it's like always like got some kind of like Genghis the Khan or Attila the Hun kind of vibe. Genghis Khan, you racist. What did I say? <laughs> Genghis the Khan. Tadanobu Asanu, the character who plays uh, Hogarth. Is it Hogarth? The Grim? H- Hogan. Hogarth Hogan. is in Jessica Jones. Thank you. <laughs> Hogan the Grim. Uh, he is uh, has actually played Genghis Khan before. Uh. He's in a movie called Mongol. Oh, which cool. Is about the, it's kind of the Genghis Khan Begins. Oh, <laughs> cool. I do yeah. remember that movie. Um, and that's basically it. It's over. Yeah, like, I think, yeah. I mean, he's like, oh, how's my girlfriend? And Heimdall's like, yeah, she's looking for you. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm watching her at night. Yeah. I'll keep you up on all the <laughs> sexy goings on. Um, I mean, look. <laughs> she has taken up ballet. She seems to have a rivalry with a young woman. Oh, and- oh no. <laughs> oh, this isn't good. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, like I said, Asgard stuff is pretty good. Earth stuff I I don't find particularly compelling. Thor I don't find particularly compelling. That all that said, I do think it's a pretty solid Marvel entry and certainly better than the sequel. I do have high hopes for Thor Rangarok because it is um, you know Taika Waiki Watiti Watiti that's right sorry and um, and you know he's awesome and it's got going to have Hulk in it and it's just it's going to ha- it I'm looks hanging good. Hanging out for Beta Ray Bill. I know uh, it's probably not going to happen. If it's going to happen in any movie, it'll be that one. Exactly. That's why I'm like, come yeah. on. Come on, Vader Reville. Yeah, it's going to... Space it's, horse. It's, <laughs> it's definitely looking good. And, the, you know, it's it's an exciting premise that they're mm. doing for the third one. So I have high hopes um, after the disappointment that was Thor 2. Mm. Real quick, oh, another thing that I like about this movie that it is a shame that... I don't know. It, it, to me, it exists in contrast to... Doctor Strange, yeah. the most recent Marvel movie as of time of recording, is that the thing I was saying about this movie never winks at the camera or apologises. Doctor Strange is full of it. Yeah. And it's like they're, they're constantly going, oh, oh, you know magic's a bit silly, guys. Sorry. Mm. But look, Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's like, no, you've already earned all the goodwill yeah. you need from like way back. People were ready to go with Thor. And yeah, that has magic in it. And space Vikings. It seems like they should have been in the exactly, other order. Exactly. Like, and so that's what really bugged me about yeah. Doctor Strange is like how much it winks at the camera and, camera and is always trying to be like, oh, magic is so silly. Yeah. People usually want grounded Marvel movies about mm. the raccoon and the talking tree. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it is definitely... Um, I don't know. Like I liked Doctor Strange, but I we like can talk it. about it another yeah. time. But I mean, I think I do think that this is an, that Doctor Strange is kind of and Thor are sort of sister movies in that way. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think and Thor does way. a much better job yeah. of selling that. Weirdness. I would agree with that. Oh, yeah. the comparison I'm really looking forward to is uh, Thor versus Wonder Woman because they're the most obviously kind of both mythology. Similar. Well, it's like a. a kind of god figure from like some mythological separate society that's sort of stayed away from humanity kind of gets dropped into our world and meets up with like a love interest and you know again it's like are they gonna embrace uh Themyscira and the religious side of Wonder Woman's like mythos or are they just gonna yeah like how are they gonna how are they gonna like treat that uh, so I think that's going to be an interesting one to to see how that compares. I mean, I don't think it'll have the same fish out of water humor as Thor. Although no, they did have a couple I don't of think shots it in the have trailer. Either. Yeah, because Diana's always been a bit more like she's much, laced. She, yeah, yeah, and she's much smarter. Like yeah. <laughs> she's much better at adapting to her surroundings. Yeah, so yeah. she should like they shouldn't have as much of a 
like uh. but I think like they've, they've changed her origin like again and again I, I can't I don't really know what her latest one is but at, at least one point in the comics she was born from like like Zeus molded her mm. out of clay or something mm. or it's like uh, they really really heavily went into like the Greek mythology and but isn't the bad guy gonna be like a Thor uh, Ares, Ares yeah, yeah which is kind of a very Thor-esque kind of character mm. yeah. yeah it'll be it'll be interesting yeah I don't know it's getting uh, it's getting bad buzz Mm. Uh oh! Another <laughs> DC flop. How sad. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yeah. uh, villains playing. Well, Not a bad plan, to actually. be honest, to be honest, hearing you just r- 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 um, do it before when you sort of said, "Oh, you know," and then he killed the guy to make it look like that was what his plan was, and then like that gave him the kind of um, the reasons and the, and the justification for attacking Odin. I hadn't even really thought of that before. Right. So, I mean, yes, it's very it's very intricate mm. Loki's plan, which is, I guess, a, a, you know, consistent with the character. Yeah, you know, he would have an intricate. Um, many moving parts sort of plan better than his plan in Avengers I have to say like um, one thing that I really liked in this movie was Loki does manipulate people Uh, and in the Avengers I mean I get why you have to kind of speed things up and make things a bit simple but he's he just mind controls people there and it's like well where's the actual talent for manipulation if you can just touch a stick to their chest and suddenly they'll just like do whatever you say like I found that really disappointing because loki should have been like yeah and the only time that he does try to manipulate people like you know black widow is like (laughs) piss off mate like it has no effect you know so even when he tries to be like old school loki it doesn't really work yeah whereas at least in this movie and in thor 2 he's like scheming and building these really detailed plans and then adapting and kind of like winging it and always playing an angle and yeah that's the nothing is what it seems yeah Yeah. and and is always just like you can never tell when his motive what his like true desire is because he just like lies all the time Mm. Mm. he gaslights people he does just like someone is doing to america right now but he also No, he's no, he's hitting them with light. Yeah, he's light. So who's who's Ben Carson? Is it he's Odin? Light gassing because them. Odin Odin has to go into the Odin sleep every like thirty minutes. Is that which is like Ben this, Carson? Well, Ben Carson like also has to go in like the Carson sleep <laughs> before every debate. That's why he's so sleepy. Yeah, sleepy Ben. Uh, or I don't know, maybe Heimdall because he's like oh, clearly just napping all day and like not really doing his job and paying attention. Oh, but this has been a bit harsh on Heimdall today. I love Heimdall. I love here. I, I love Idris Elba, and I think he does a good performance. I just think it's funny that Heimdall is only in this in these movies after he's fucked up in in some way. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to Times Camera Action. Uh, we've all got different things we do, which you can check out. I host a white supremacy podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, it is on history of the world, which is very white. Yeah, actually, yeah, the same that thing. Will feature if if in you there. want more stories, you of, don't necessarily uh, condone it, but yeah. you do tell stories that feature it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I do an Australian history podcast at lastuptonowhere.com. Check out my vape videos on YouTube. I'm doing a lot of unboxing over there. Um, I am an improviser. You can see me in improvised comedy shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2017. Uh, I will be in Soup Players, which is completely improvised Shakespeare. And I am also in completely improvised Potter. Come check us out. 
Cool. I can't wait for those shows. And uh, you can hear me on um, th- uh, 3MBS, which is a um, community radio station in Melbourne. We play fine music, um, classical and jazz, and I present Arts Weekly every second Saturday, uh, 3MBS.org.au. And you can follow Tights Camera Action on Twitter at TCA Pod. You can like us on Facebook and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, tell us what uh, what you think of the casting of Idris Elba and whether or not he deserves to. <laughs> if there's one thing the internet needs, it's more comments about casting in comic yeah, book movies. Sure. Please do it. Can you imagine if they cast a white actress as Black Swan? Steph? <laughs> they do that. They get away with that all the time in the in the ballet. So, oh my god! So give, give us five stars. It was a double set. I can't believe you just maybe snored on camera <laughs> on, on on mic. On mic. Jeez Louise. Okay. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.